You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. Today's guest, a frequent guest on this podcast, it is James Andrew Miller, the best-selling author of books on CAA, ESPN, and Saturday Night Live, host of the Origins Podcast, and he has a book coming soon on HBO, and the uh, sort of history and present day of uh, one of the most remarkable networks in history, and certainly an incredible cable network story and Jim Miller for today's purposes is on with me to talk about uh, Kenny Maine leaving ESPN and I am uh, I'm happy to be joined by Jim Miller today Jim how are you good thanks for having me all right so let's start here um, you saw the news obviously that uh, Kenny Maine is leaving ESPN and while seeing people leave ESPN these days is not surprising at all, given all the departures that both of us have seen in the last three to five years. What was interesting here, I mean, there's a lot of things interesting here, is one, Kenny Maine is a very quirky, unique talent. Two, he's one of the rare talents, Jim, as you know, who had a very, very big connection with the sales department. He's one of the most famous sort of upfront speakers that ESPN had. And when I say upfront, I mean Kenny Maine was somebody who, when ESPN was selling its programming to media buyers, would be one of the key players during those presentations and probably the best performer, I would say, during those upfronts. And then lastly, the fact that ESPN and Norby Williamson asked Kenny Mayne to take a 61% pay cut, um, I think will be surprising news to people out there, Jim. So that's sort of where we start. Um, and this is just very writ large. What were your thoughts uh, when you saw Kenny Mayne post that... Uh, he was leaving ESPN. Well, I immediately t- tweeted, cancel the upfronts, because, as you just mentioned, he's inextricably linked with, with the upfronts and was often the best part of it. It was, uh, it was a perfect platform for his quirky, sardonic ride behavior, and uh, he was always a success. But I think that, you know, for those of us who were watching ESPN in the 90s, he was also a singular talent. He always had a particular, particular kind of like vantage point on something with a little bit of a twist. He had a set of sensibilities that were different than, than, than others. And I think that to ESPN's credit, they always gave him the opportunity to showcase them. He had a couple enterprise shows that he had done and, I think some of them actually, uh, I mean, Main Street and I, I think some of them were 
highly inventive, and even though they may not have survived, I think that they were certainly noble efforts. And uh, it was it was sad. It was it was it was sad to see. I mean, look, we got we got spoiled. I think particularly in the '90s and you know first first decade of the century, which is that ESPN used to be this gigantic buffet, and they had enough money coming in when you have like 11 or 12 billion dollars of revenue coming in every year you get to do a lot of different things and it was fantastic to be Steve Bornstein and George Bodenheimer and John Skipper and be able to sign all these people and even though you didn't have you know they weren't going to be doing like the lion's share of the work or they weren't going to be carrying a as heavy a load as, as some others. It was all these different kind of personalities, different reporters, different skill sets. And Kenny was one of them. And Jimmy Fataro doesn't have that kind of flexibility. They, those, those days are gone. And I think that they have, they're in a situation now where they have to do a lot of, a lot of triage financially. Um, I don't think you and I agree on a lot of their choices from time to time, but it's clear that they are making choices. And when you see people like Trey Wingo and, well, I mean, look, the list is long and the list is long for people in front of the camera. And also I think about the terrific journalists and reporters who the, you know, viewers don't watch, but they, they know that they should know their names from their bylines and, uh, you know, they're, they're reporting work and a lot of those people have gone too. So it's just a totally different age for ESPN. So how, listen, I mean, in every single business, ultimately management makes decisions as to who they like or don't like or who they want and don't want. And so uh, there's no doubt that the ESPN of 2021 is a different place than the ESPN of 2000 or 2000 or even, you know, the Skipper or whatever, 2009. So, you know, I mean, if you're going to sort of be fair and uh, the salary structure is going to be different because we're in a different world. I mean, you know, for Christ's sakes, we're in the middle of a pandemic and revenues are down. But and here's my sort of but here, Jim, from your experience and obviously from writing the book that you wrote, um, there is a calculus and a decision ultimately made, right? Like someone makes a decision that Mike Greenberg is worth these millions and millions of dollars. Someone makes a decision that Stephen A. Smith is worth these millions and millions of dollars. Someone makes a decision that um, Chris Berman should be re-signed to this dollar figure. And then conversely, someone makes a decision that Kenny Maine is worth only this. So like I agree with everything you're saying. But my, my sort of thing with ESPN has always been like, there's always money if they like you. There's always money to sign a property if they want it. So, like, I think there are financial tra- challenges for Jimmy Pitara. I don't discount that at all. But I my only counter would be that, like, when they want someone or something, there's always money at Disney. I, I think that's true. But I also think that's true of any other sports entity or for that matter, any other network, uh, you know, you know, I mean, there, there's always that time where, you know, like a show's going into its sixth or seventh season and all of a sudden the salaries for the stars are going to be, you know, have to be doubled or something. And the network makes a decision, you know, we're, we're not going to spend that money. I, I don't think that part has changed. Although I do think that, one of the things that we've been able to see in terms of how ESPN makes the decision is they'd rather go big 
with a Stephen A. Smith than have, you know, probably eight or nine other people as as alternatives for that money. They'd rather spend the money on Greeny. They'd rather spend the money on Wright Thompson. They'd rather spend the money. And and by the way, that's that's their decision. I mean, those people who are in those jobs, they they get to make those decisions. You know, I, I was talking, I mean, somebody else might have different. I might, I might not like it, but it's their decision. I, I never would disagree with that for sure. And they're very, by the way, they've been very clear. I mean, this is the old uh, deep throat, follow the money. Um, yes. I mean, they've been very competitive and they've stepped up to the plate big time. The Stephen A. Smith deal was humongous, humongous. And Greeny has a big deal. And, you know, all these people that uh, we're talking about are are not getting paid insignificant sums. And in some cases, they were bidding against other networks and they stepped up to the plate. So, you know, what you're really seeing now compared to previous eras is they if if they if they are spending that money on you, you know that they really want you. It's not just because they're trying to keep you away from somebody else and they can afford to just, you know, collect people. I mean, in some ways, I used to say Skipper was like the George Steinbrenner of, of broadcast television because he was. He was spending a lot of money on people. So did so did George Bodenheimer. And uh, there was a way to not only keep them for ESPN, but keep them off the air for other competitors. I mean, I know of numerous deals where they did that. So um, that that money is just not available anymore. Uh, and I think that one of the things that you also see is that the people who are staying uh, contribute tonnage. Uh, they can do many different things, many different platforms, and, uh, you know, are there for many, many hours. Um, Kenny was, Kenny, I mean, Kenny was great on sports. Sports Center years and years ago, but he wasn't going to be a mainstay on Sports Center, and as a result, uh, I guess you know at some point somebody made the calculation also about how many how many hours are we going to be getting from him as well for the money that we're going to be spending. Um, you know that's part of the equation as well. So um, I think well. I- and I'm not, I'm not not to push back on you, but you know they were when they talked no. to him, they were they were reducing his hours, you know, percentage wise, pretty small, and you know, fourteen percent, and then decreasing his salary, sixty one to get. But but the 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 interesting thing there is, and this is where I think the market has changed, is that you know I think there would have been a time if you're Kenny Maine and he's in his sixties, I believe, and you've obviously made a great living, and you know you've been you know, aggregately paid, obviously, millions of dollars and have done a really good job there. I think, Jim, a lot of times in in Kenny Mayne's position, you would have just been like, all right, I'll take whatever you guys are giving me and I'm going to ride this thing out for as long as I can to get paid in my 60s. And, and I'll, you know, when the train stops, the train stops. Instead, you know, there's a world out there now with so much sports gambling money, uh, we just saw, obviously, uh, John Skipper and Dan Lebetard sign a you know, multi, multi-million dollar deal with DraftKings. And so what I found interesting, and obviously I personally like Kenny Maine too, so I, I just sort of respect his integrity here. Well, you what can't not what, like the guy. Yeah, what I found interesting, Jim, was he just said, like, I got a value. I have a value that, that I think is this. I'm not going to accept this deal, and I'm going to roll the dice as a free agent and see what's out there. And at least if 
for people like Kenny Mayne or Wingo or Lebertard or Simmons, you know, people with the big names in the industry, what's clear is like there's life on the other side. Jamel Hill, like, you know, you can get advertisers and get paid in a post ESPN world. And to me, that's what's different about 2021 versus, let's say, you know, 2005 or something like that. Well, it's interesting because there's a paradox, right? At the same time that we see a lot of the networks cutting back, reducing salaries, but, you know, the the salaries are not the humongous things that they used to be. There is, as you say, more opportunity. I mean, look, I I commend uh, Kenny because I think it's it's great to be able to have that freedom. And I think it comes back to something that... Well, you need money to have freedom too, right? I agree with that. You know, you need money. Yeah, but also, I mean, look, I think it's also something that, you know, Charlie Munger and a lot of other smart people say, which is when you... Either when you save your money or you live below your means, you have an, uh, you have a level of freedom and you get to have the gumption to go out into the marketplace that other people um, don't. And what's really sad is when you see people who are, I mean, for whatever circumstances, I'm not judging them, but when they need to take whatever offer they get because they're strapped and that, I mean, that happens, but that's a whole different kind of situation. And Kenny obviously has the freedom to be able to do that. And I think that's going to serve him well. He's going to be very entrepreneurial, I think, in the marketplace. And there's a lot of different ways, particularly given the fact that he can come up with original programming. It's all about content now anyway. And this is a guy who's got a lot of ideas and can execute on them. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for him. Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't think I asked you about this, uh, uh, maybe because I think the timing of the last time you were on just was a little bit before this. But, uh, you know, Ben Strauss of the Washington Post wrote a, uh, a big piece on Skipper and Lebertard and their deals. Uh, by the way, John, John Skipper uh, paying a lot of money for his furniture. Jim, I mean, he's got like a $2,500 something in his house. Should be, should be all be getting paid like that. Um, but, uh, you know, the, 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 the deal was massive. I mean, like they cashed out like Lebertard bet on himself and he's always obviously been very tight with Skipper supported him during, um, uh, Skipper's essential firing from ESPN and it paid off with Skipper's obvious business sort of people, you know, business connections in the marketplace and, you know, 50 million from DraftKings uh, for, for that enterprise is really, really impressive. What, um, you know, what are your top line thoughts when you've seen what, uh, what Lebetard and Skipper have done? Uh, you know, uh, I have to say, um, you know, I don't love everything Lebetard has done. I certainly don't love everything Skipper has done, but I really do respect people who've bet on themselves outside of that machine. And I feel like in Lebetard's case, like he was getting screwed as as much as someone making, you know, $3 million could be screwed. And he, he bet on himself and he bet on his team that's come with him and, and the bet paid off. He just hit four aces in my opinion. Well, I mean, you know, people used to talk about the fact that Bill Simmons was, you know, one of the highest paid, if not at some point, uh, the highest paid person at ESPN. And the day that he left, I was asked, you know, what is one of the certainties about Bill, Bill Simmons' future? And I said, well, he's going to make a lot more money. No, that was a good and call. It sounded counterintuitive to the person who I said it to. But I think that the point is, though, that given the financial architecture at 
ESPN right now. ESPN used to be the place where you went to double your salary or you triple your salary, or there was just, you know, a lot of money attached to things. And if money is your North star, there are, as we've seen with Dan, Dan and Simmons and a lot of other people, there are, and Jamel, of course, there are a lot of ways to create your own portfolio um, with deals with various players. Because remember, one of the things that doesn't happen when you're at ESPN is you can't make deals with other people or other places. You're kind of locked into ESPN. And one of the things that Jamel did very very effectively as soon as she left was all of a sudden she had the Atlantic deal. She had a huge podcast deal. She had, uh, you know, entertainment shows that she was developing. I mean, she put together a really, really interesting multi-platform, um, both coasts, bi-coastal operation for herself. And if you're willing to take that chance and, uh, and the marketplace obviously thinks you're valuable. Uh, it's the, the money's a lot better than at ESPN. So I think that that's just that's just another reality of the of of the way things things are now, particularly um, if you're willing to be entrepreneurial. Yeah, and again, I, you know, I, let's be sure to be honest for the audience here. Like that is a limited group. Like it's not that you know every person who's let go by ESPN doesn't have the name cachet of Kenny Mayne or Trey Wingo or Jamel Hill. And so, you know, that helps that, or Bill Simmons, obviously like, you know, people will invest significant money in you. If you think you bring an audience, it's obviously a lot harder if ESPN lays you off and you're a, you know, you're a, uh, ACE researcher for, uh, outside the lines or, you know, you're, um, a longtime news editor there, you know, th- those are, it, it, it it, it is. It, oh, you will probably get another job. You will. You will knock on wood. I hope you can get another job. But but you're not going to get Spotify coming in and saying, "Here's you know a hundred, you know here here's five hundred thousand dollars. Here's ten million dollars for you to do this." Oh yeah, no. You were just talking about. You were just talking about Dan and Bill and Jamel yeah, and others. I'm talking I mean, about like the, the whole. Yeah. It's they're in a different kind of solar system, exactly. But but it does again. I I, what is interesting, and I think again, this you chronicled this uh, this era is that the and maybe Dan Patrick was sort of the forerunner of all this. There there was this belief for a long time, Jim, that once you left ESPN, like your career was DOA. It's not it's not the case anymore, and that's cool. I will say this though, and I think you just hit on something that I think is really interesting. If I was an agent. You know, if I was one of your buddies, Jim, that you lunch with in Malibu at CAA or WMA, um, I would absolutely try to get my 20-something or early 30-something client to a place like ESPN. I would try to get as much money for them as I could, and I would try to extend that for as long as I can and bank that money, and then eventually at a certain point, move on and do something entrepreneurial. So, you know, whether that's Mike, a Michael Smith type or Carrie Champion, or like you mentioned, uh, you know, Jamel or Trey Wingo. Now to me, like the way you sort of win at this is to go at ESPN, make a shitload of money from them, get, use their distribution engine to get a ton of fame. And then when the moment's right, or that you feel like the machine is sort of stifling you creatively, take off. If you can do that, to me, you've won. And the guy who I would look for in the future, in my opinion, to sort of make a move like that would be Bomani Jones. That's just filed that away. Uh, yeah. Oh, look, Bomani's uh, definitely, I, I would I would imagine he's soon on deck with this. He's, um, made, great, he's but, made great money. He's gotten, 
He's gotten a lot of, you know, sports TV fame from ESPN, and he's pretty young still, relatively speaking. Perfect time. But the other thing that you can do now, quite frankly, is if you're taking somebody in their mid-20s or there, there's also ways to just circumvent the ESPN. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Know, yeah. And not only that, but the other thing is that you wind up, you do a deal with YouTube, you do a deal with, I mean, there's lots of different ways in which you can showcase yourself now rather than going to ESPN where you're kind of, you know, often locked into one thing that they want you. Well, you're going to be on radio, but you're not going to be able to do this or that or whatever. And as a result, you can showcase more of your talents. You can create much more of a uh, multidimensional kind of, uh, you know, identity out in the marketplace. And so I'm not even sure whether or not that that first stop is as necessary as it used to be. And certainly you can't be guaranteed the big money uh, to start off at ESPN that you used to. So I, I think more and more people are starting to look there. There have been people that uh, I think years ago would have obviously gone to ESPN who are now decided not to, and they're, they're going straight to this, you know, kind of more, uh, creative, open-ended, you know, not one home identity. All right. Is there anything else you want to add on this before, uh, before? No, I just, you know, it sounds, listen, I, I will, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I'll sort of let you just sort of comment off my thing. No, it sounds um, corny, but I really do. I mean, we're going to, you know, obviously miss Kenny and, uh, he's yeah, the kind of guy. It feels like the end of an era, <laughs> an end of, an end of a generational era. I know there are other guys and women who are still part of that era, Linda Cohn and, Berman and stuff, but I don't know. Kenny Maine to me always represented like ESPN taking some interesting chances by putting a very different performer on the air, and now he's gone. Yeah, and he's got a different voice. He's got he's just got a very unusual voice. But you know, I I gotta believe that we're gonna be hearing and seeing from him soon. Yeah. Somewhere and, else. By the way, you uh, you you're, you you you're, you made a. I mean, we I should do a whole podcast in this, but like uh, again. ESPN remains a destination job. So if LaPlaca and Soltis and Hoffheimer and Krulowitz are listening, this, the women in the department are smart like J.J. Nesham. They don't listen to the stupid podcast. So that's why they're smarter and should be running in the department. Um, but everyone knows, guys, it's still a destination job. No one is knocking ESPN. People work their ass off to get there and want to be there. No one's not saying that. But as Miller pointed out very astutely, in my opinion, the calculus has changed. And you can achieve, I mean... Everything you want in the business from money, fame, riches, everything else by circumventing the ESPNs of the world now. And that's that's an interesting place. And quite frankly, in my opinion, a much better place to be. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. The 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Jim, I want to finish up on this. When is your HBO book coming out? I'll give a promo here. Uh, I, I believe this year. Okay. All right. So not an exact date yet, but sometime in 2021. Um, you don't know this about me and you mocked me basically before we started this podcast. Cause you were stunned that I was such a big game of Thrones fan, but I am. Um, and so, um, would have never yeah. guessed. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if that's a po- that feels like a shot at me. Like what? I can't. Enjoy, oh no, not uh, at all. Not sci-fi. at all. I'm not, I'm not watching frontline every day, Jim. Um, so, <laughs> So I think that, I mean, the ending was awful, but the, the show was brilliant and amazing casting and like the amount of money HBO must have uh, spent on that is, uh, is, is incredible. So what I want, what I, I'm just curious this is my own edification. And if you, you know, if you're in only sports media and you want to take off from the podcast, now I understand that. But like, do you have anything interesting, like about sort of the beginning of how HBO procured this and was the expectation from HBO's like executives like this is going to be a monster hit because people some people love these George R R Martin books or was there I don't know did they feel like they were taking a chance obviously it worked out and it became a mega hit one of the great television shows of all time but I I, I just don't remember reading about the beginning of it and so do you have insight on from the HBO angle like what they thought about this when they acquired this property yeah yeah I said well you know I'm I always love origin stories, both in terms of the HBO story, but also I go through that with a lot of like Sopranos and Curb and Game of Thrones and a lot of other shows that were on. And, um, you know, I think you go, you go back to the William Goldman line, which is kind of hackneyed at this point, which is nobody knows anything, um, in Hollywood. And, um, I think that, you know, this was a, it was very interesting for me to, uh, to, to report on that. And, uh, it, it is a great story. But I think that the other thing is that when you, when you start to hear some of the stuff that goes on inside a network about shows, it's very, very rare. It's very, very rare for there to be unanimity and everybody saying, Oh my gosh, this is fantastic. And this is going to be a huge hit. There's always, I mean, you know, I encountered it with ER when I was doing the CA book. And obviously there were people, uh, you know, who after the first couple of weeks of Saturday Night Live thought it was going to be canceled. I mean, you know, there's there's always that wrestling match that goes on between, you know, people having different opinions. And you, you look at the studios that passed on Titanic, you know, um, you know, you know, there's no it's not. It's not quantum physics. It's not even simple math where one and one has to equal two. And so because there's just so much subjective, subjective, uh, you know, uh, thoughts that can be put into it and made part of the decision, uh, it's just, it's, it's really interesting. The other thing that's fascinating too is people who may not 
think something was going to work, then it works, and they're the first in this Rashomon way, kind of like, I always knew that it was going to be a big hit, and, you know, and then you you, know, you find out that they were like, this will never work, and we shouldn't do it. So there's there's always that um, revisionist history um, that, that goes on with it. But it's a, it's a very difficult uh it's a very difficult thing to be inside a network where you have such a, at that point, you have such a great legacy and people expect there to be hits. And then all of a sudden things that you thought were going to be great didn't turn out. And here's something that's going to be incredibly expensive. Um, you know, sometimes underlining IP isn't a guarantee of success. Well, all right. So you got any specifics or is there any sort of story from the, beginnings of game of thrones that you could share without giving away uh you know proprietary stuff from the book um i mean let's just say i let's just say i cover it i mean i don't mean to be cute about it but right. uh i'm you just want to trying to the book is what you're saying well but i'm also trying to like figure out what's still in there and what's not i'm doing my final pass right now and um so you know but obviously uh very important show to cover, and I think it still remains HBO's um, most. I think that's their uh, most ambitious project. I know The Sopranos and some others are probably more renowned. Well, no, ambitious in terms of certainly in terms of financial uh, commitment, and also just the, the production. I mean, they were you know in four different con- countries. Uh, the, the producing that show was unlike any other. Um, all right. So look for that book. Does the book have a title? I should know this. I think it does, right? Tinderbox. Tinderbox. Is there a, is it Tinderbox colon and then something following the colon? Yes. But that has not been decided yet? Um, well, I mean, I don't, I don't, for me, nothing's official until it's, you know. Do you decide that? Do you decide the title? Or is that work between you and your publishing house? I like to think everything is a kind of a joint effort, you know, right, nice. um, I, w- I would never, I think that it's silly to, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe people do it, but um, I think it's always beneficial to have a team behind you and for everybody to be on it. I mean, right now it's HBO's ruthless pursuit of new frontiers. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Do you, can you break the tie? Are you like Kamala Harris or Joe Manchin or? If, if it's, if I it's don't close. know what's in my contract, but I know Check that, that there were, I there was a, there was one other thought that I had. They, they didn't like. I was like, okay, let's 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 move no, on. It's pretty good. No, this book will do great. I mean, it, you know, HBO's um, HBO's impact on what we have watched over the last thirty plus years is. Well, HBO Sports was fun too. Yeah. Well, we'll do that on. Uh, we'll we'll once it gets closer to. Uh, uh, the publishing of the book. We'll do We'll do a podcast just on the book alone. All right, James Andrew Miller, best-selling author of books on CAA, ESPN, and Saturday Night Live, host of the Origins podcast. He's got his HBO book coming up. He really gave us nothing, by the way, on Game of Thrones, but I can respect that because he wants to save it for the book. I mean, he's not fooling anybody, but still, um, I, I, I probably would have done the same thing. I respect that. And they obviously gave you some really interesting stuff on uh, the end of the Kenny Main era at ESPN and what comes next. All right, Jim, listen, I thank you for coming on in a, uh, uh, you know, relatively quickly. I, I asked you only a couple days ago, but uh, it's always great to catch up with you and, uh, and continued success. And we'll be looking forward to the book coming out later in the year. Okay. Thank you. All right. Back in the studio. My thanks to Jim Miller for popping on for a relatively brief uh, 
uh, podcast for us, but uh, I did want to do something on Kenny Mann. I, I do think he's kind of an interesting figure in ESPN's history. So thanks for Jim popping on. Uh, if you like this podcast, please uh, head to the uh, your iTunes page or Google Play or Stitcher or wherever. Leave us a five-star review and a nice uh, message. That, uh, that absolutely helps us. Previous podcast before this one, we did the future of sports viewership and ratings with uh, Sports Media Watch founder John Lewis and Sports Business Daily Managing Editor Austin Karp. Before that, Steve Kornacki, the uh, national political correspondent of MSNBC and NBC, who has become quite the sports guy with his work on Football Night in America and the Derby. And then before that, if you're into gambling, David Purdom of ESPN on Sports Gambling, how to cover that beat, and Grant Wall on um, a number of uh, soccer things. Uh, and then just go through the archives. I'm sure you will find something that uh, that you enjoy. My um, thanks to Patrick Antonetti, of course, for uh, his work. Uh, thank you to everybody at Cadence 13. And thanks to you for listening to this podcast. Always appreciate the support. This is Richard Deitch. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast.